Welcome to episode three of A Glass of This, the podcast devoted to Idaho's growing beer, cider, wine, and spirits industry. I'm your host, Walt Huntsman. In this episode, I'll sit down with Molly Ledbetter of Merriweather Cider. We'll talk about the origins of the name, the response to cider in Boise, and Merriweather's recently opened cider house downtown. Molly talks about making cider legit and her plans for educating people about cider, as well as overcoming preconceived notions some people may have about what cider is. As Merriweather Cider moves closer towards celebrating its third anniversary, Molly talks about the journey thus far. That and more after a look at some headlines. The recent wildfires outside of Los Angeles caused serious damage to winery property and vineyards in the Malibu Coast AVA, according to winemakers. The fires burned more than 100,000 acres, though several Malibu producers said that vineyards, which do not burn easily, helped to mitigate fire damage. At least one operation, though, was completely destroyed. Sierra Nevada is creating a beer to help those affected by the Camp Fire in Northern California, All proceeds from sales of Resilience IPA will go to people impacted by the fire. Sierra Nevada is also making the recipe and other support available to breweries who sign on to help. So far, some 400 breweries have pledged support. Resilience IPA should be available by early 2019. After a catastrophic 2017 marked by heat waves, hailstorms, and frost, global wine production rose 13% this year. The International Organization of Vine and Wine says this year's production is one of the highest since 2000. Italy is the world's top producer, followed by France and Spain. The United States remains the world's greatest consumer of wine. As proof of that, the wine business market research and consulting firm BW166 LLC reports that in October 2018, U.S. wine sales reached $4.3 billion. For the year ending in October 2018, Wine sales in the U.S. rose nearly 5% to $71 billion. Jobs at wineries also increased over the period. Now let's talk cider with Molly Ledbetter of Merriweather Cider. For people who are not familiar with that familiar with Merriweather or its uh, story, family-owned, took a roundabout journey to get here from what I could gather uh, and apparently all roads led from Australia somehow so (laughs) at least in terms of cider uh, it sounds like that's where it kind of the cider bug bit that's where we got the idea to potentially actually start a company because cider is so much bigger there. Uh, my dad had been home brewing cider for five years before that, um, so he had been he had been in the cider um, home brewing for quite a while before that. Um, it was just kind of that's one of the like one of the stories that come up when we talk about how we decided to not you know take his home brewing to the next level and that is that in Australia because it has so much more influence um, English influence um, it was a much more popular drink and my mom kind of got this idea like oh my god like this is what's happening in the US like this is it's coming like I can just I, I just know it is um, so that was kind of where the Australia came in as we were there and we were drinking a lot more cider and being like oh this is what the US means like this is this is this is the new the new industry, so, so yeah. The, so, but it adds to the mythology. 
<laughs> now, family name is, is Ledbetter. Yep. And you went with Meriwether, which, from what I could gather, comes from Lewis and Clark. Yep. What was it about Lewis and Clark that made you think that Meriwether was, would be a good name for, for your company? So, it's actually, um, he is a ancestor on, our, on my mom's side. So, oh. we're actually related to him familially. Um, it's actually my middle name. <laughs> um, and so we are connected f- with our family. And then he was also the first explorer to cross the continental divide into Idaho. So it's this really beautiful joining of family and place. Um, and so that's why we decided on that name. And from what I can gather from, from your story, as far as the ciders that you guys are doing, there's, there's a little bit of exploration there as well? Yeah, absolutely. We try to, we try to be as um, creative and, ex- and have as much fun with it as we can. So... Um, every every flavor is a little bit of an adventure. Um, it's the beauty of cider is you can be really really innovative. Um, any flavor you can think of, you can put in a cider. Um, it doesn't have to be. It, there's no there's no limits to what you can add to a, a cider base. Um, and so we can we did um, an elderberry cider last year to, for as a um, charity cider for the State River Waterkeepers, and that was local elderberries that were picked from Idaho. Um, and then we do some bigger ones, some bigger fun ones. Like we just released our pineapple habanero, which is um, we use local habaneros from Fiddler's Green Farm. And so it's it's just we're all over the place with our ciders, which is pretty fun, and it, it adds to the adventure for sure. Now, now your family is originally from Colorado. You and your sister went to school in Idaho. Yep. What was it about Idaho that made the family as a whole decide? This was the place to come do this. Um, yeah, so me and my sister went to the College of Idaho, and um, once we graduated, we realized that Boise is just the, the best. <laughs> um, so we we bought a house here together, and um, my mom had been visiting every... My parents were professors, mm-hmm. um, so every chance that she had, any spring breaks or fall breaks, she would um, come up and visit us during school, um, and then also fall in love with Boise, and that way we'd do like, little mini-cations to Boise from Caldwell. Um, and so she was always on the train of like, when we retire, we should move here. And um, partly the cidery was a the like catalyst that that made my dad commit to to moving here as well. Like he, you know, he wanted he liked Boise too. And then it was just that that move of like, but we're gonna go do this big thing and have this fun like family adventure. And so it. It created and Boise is just such a fun place. I mean, you, as soon as you come here, you're like, "Oh, this is the best." <laughs> of course, I want to live here. And it seems to be getting better all the time. It is. I now, agree. now you've talked in in other interviews about how receptive Boise and the surrounding area have been, with, uh, especially with regard to cider. Yes. What is it about Boise that you think makes them so receptive? I think it's because people love living here. And that's a, that's a funny way to say it, but there are a lot of places um, that I think you just you just live because you grew up there or because your job moved you there. And it's not, it, you don't have a, the same sense of place. Um, and I think that Boise, people that live in Boise really have this sense of place, that this is their location and they love it and they want to cool things to thrive here and they want to create this community that people want to live in. They want the foothills to be preserved and maintained and they want local businesses to succeed and they want these new innovators to come in with new ideas because 
this is this is their place and you want your place to be as cool and innovative and friendly and receptive as you can be and um, I think that's really strong in Boise well and in one thing that Boise has going for it that a lot of cities don't seem to have these days is a pretty vibrant downtown and we're sitting downtown in your new cider house that you've now been open roughly about five weeks as we're recording this um what's uh this is a two-part question what's the response been like first of all and and how how are you trying to make this different from your your garden city location um the response has been amazing (laughs) it's been full people went full Boise for us down here um we've just had everybody coming in and just being really excited and just celebrating with us this this exciting new adventure um and a lot of people that have never been out to Garden City that just wander by we we're getting a lot of foot traffic which is really fun um in Garden City off of Chinden you know you don't have people wander by it's they're coming because they're coming to you they know about you they've they've, their friends have told them or they've had some they had it at Bitter Creek and they want to go check out where it's made you know like anybody that's walking in our door knows who we are um on Chinden and it's been different here because people just wander off the street and be like what is this place I don't what what are you you know and that's really fun that's a fun experience to be able to be like give people their first cider or you know explain to them what what our concept is um and so that's that's been a fun difference, and the reception has been really, really fantastic down here. Well, I know it's fun to be here. I know my wife and I were walking actually right outside here uh, a few weeks back. I think you'd maybe been open a couple weeks, mm-hmm. and I saw people spilling out out the door. Yeah. Um, so, what was it about downtown Boise? Why why was it important for you guys? To have a downtown presence. Um, just like you said, I mean, the, the downtown is, is just this very enlivened, very um, beautiful place. I mean, it's just got everything going on, and um, we wanted to be a part of that. Um, Garden City has been great to us, and that will always be like our our home base. It's where we make our stuff. That's We created that tap room, we created that community, and we love it there. Um, but there's a there's a part of us that we're always like, but we want to, like, downtown is, like, where every, all these, you know, people are walking around with shopping and eating and drinking, and it's just this very live place, and that's a really, that's that's really um, enticing <laughs> to now, come to. Now, do the differences that you talked about, is that part of the reason, too, for the fact that you have separate uh, presences on social media for your two locations? Um, why I decided to do two Facebook pages specifically, so I kind of look at um, social media as Instagram is to show people what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitter is to tell people about a lot of industry and like what, what you've been up to. And then Facebook, I think a huge part of Facebook is the events part. So you get on Facebook to see what's going on tonight. Um, and that's why I decided to do two separate Facebook pages for the Cider House and the Tap Room because I didn't want to create an event and have there be a lot of confusion about where it was going to happen. Um, and it, it, downtown, the Cider House ha- definitely has its own identity as well. Um, we've decided we made the decision to make it um, a Cider House instead of another uh, secondary tap room. So our tap room just has our ciders on tap. 
It's where we make it. Um, Cider House, we have 20 taps. Eight of them are ours and 11 are other producers. And we decided to make that, um, that a reality because we... <laughs> the short answer is uh, to make cider legit. Um, there are no places in Boise that you can get that amount of cider. Um, you could go to Whole Foods and they've got a great cider selection, but it's in bottles and, ca and, and cans and you'd have no idea what you're buying and right. you can't taste it. You can't, you know, there's no one there that has like real strong cider expertise that can walk you through what a French cider is or why this one tastes different or what the Belgian yeast is going to do to your ciders and there's all of these things and and then you go to any restaurants and on tap you're there's one maybe two if you're really lucky and here you can come in and get this really broad cider education all of our cider all of our bartenders are certified cider professionals so they can really give you this this look into what cider is and any cider in anybody's hand is good for the whole industry just making cider not a when we first started, cider was definitely an alternative. So it was, people weren't saying, oh, I want a cider because it's, I really like ciders. People were saying, I'll have a cider because I don't like beer or I don't like wine. So this is the alternative for it. Um, instead of just picking it as a, it's, its own legitimate category. Um, and that's, that's where we're trying to branch out in the cider house and let people have that exploration of the different types of ciders there can be. Um, we have so many people that come in and are like, oh, I don't like cider, because they've had one cider five years ago, and they thought that's what cider is. Cider is one-dimensional, and it's this this category, and that's it. Um, whereas cider is just the categories and the flavors and the profiles and the different apples and the yeast and everything, the terroir of the ground can add, can completely change your perception of what our the taste and flavor and uh, mouthfeel of the ciders. And in that sense, it's it's a lot like wine. Then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, cider is technically a wine <laughs> um, under U.S. law. Um, we are a bonded winery. However, I I I have a problem. I think that cider is its own category and it can stand mm -hmm. on its own feet, but. Just like wine, it is a variety of different apples create different bases, and then um, the different yeasts you use and the different aging processes you use do change, change quite a bit, just like wine. So wine is fermented grapes, apples are, or uh, sorry, cider is fermented apples. So there is there is that. It's, it's more similar in making, for sure, of wine than beer, because beer is brewed. Okay. Well, and you've touched, you touched on this some already and quite a bit actually but this was a question i was going to ask later about education and you've mm -hmm. talked about wanting to educate people about cider are, are do you have specific things in mind going forward to kind of help uh continue that education for people yeah for sure um so we've got <laughs> we've got thousands of ideas <laughs> um we want to do some education for service industry folks, so your bartenders and your wait staff on, so that they can present cider um, more effectively in their, their workplaces. Um, we want to try to do some flight nights, some public flight nights, where you can come in and we'll pick a flight of a certain variety of ciders and walk you through them. And we've got, yeah, we definitely want to continue that education as much as 
you get it just from going down to the bar. You can talk to any of the bartenders and ask them all the questions you in the world, and they'll they'll answer them. But we are going to have special events as well. Um, we're going to try to use First Thursday, um, some First Thursdays to like bring in some of those fun those fun ciders and talk about those, and you know, you can taste it and be like, oh yeah, okay, this is we picked this one because it tastes like this, and this is this is the process, and these are the producers. Now. As I, as I was asking earlier, you've been open about five weeks in the Cider House, mm-hmm. and it took about six months to for that journey to get from start to finish. I'm going to guess that maybe not everything went smooth. How, what was that journey like to get from beginning to end? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> a lot of headaches and tears, but... Um, it's an old building. This building was built in the 1930s, so um, it's had a lot of renters that are just kind of patching up as they go. Um, so the, the construction was definitely tricky. Um, we had an incredible contractor that worked with us the whole time. We have a great brander, and they were both just... Um, they really brought our vision to life, and they were just the best. I don't know. We couldn't have done it without without them. Um, the licensing process is always tricky. Alcohol makes it... does not make it... They don't make it easy to do to serve alcohol, um, but we had done it with this, the cidery and plus a bunch more to get our bonded winery to produce. So um, that was a, it was a little a little smoother this time. But there's always um, the city of Boise is is growing so exponentially that mm-hmm. they've got quite a backup at City Hall of these these um, these applications for building permits and stuff. They've got they they're just getting crushed so that was a little slower than we hoped but not from anybody's fault just just the massive amounts of building that are happening right now so five weeks here and and the company itself is is getting ready in the next few months to celebrate its third anniversary february what has that ride been like um (laughs) it's been wild um if you had asked me like Five years ago, if this is where I would be, I would just, I would just laugh. Um, this was never, it was never something that like any of us really thought about until it, it kind of happened. <laughs> um, we were both, me and my sister were both working as um, wildland firefighters before this, so I was a ditch digger, like a professional ditch digger for my entire adult life. <laughs> um, so running a company and doing the marketing and applying for alcohol licenses and doing our our. Um, some of our financials is just a real it's a real trip it's for somebody a, that didn't a little that bit all, different, all yeah. I did was dig dig in the dirt so a, a little bit different yeah. <laughs> I would say. Uh, his, his now I, I'm, I'm gonna guess that, that when you guys started you didn't know what to expect but has have things kind of grown uh, as you expected better than expected um it's a good question I think I would say better than we expected. I don't, when we, I mean, we always had this idea that we would love to be downtown, but that was never a, um, that was never something we like specifically had put in like our plans, you know, it just was like, Oh my God. Yeah, we, we can, we can do that. Like, let's just, let's just do it. Um, and the, the love and support, um, from the community has, was far and away above our expectations. Um, we would, I would I always tell this because it just it cracks me up. Um, for the first couple of years before we, or the year before we opened, we went to our first um, cider conference in Chicago, and they have 
couple seminars every year that focus on how to sell your cider. So how to go into bars and tell them that they have to have a cider and that cider is growing and they should have it and to make sure that, you know, that people appreciate what you're giving, you know, and talk to them and like really like hardline it. Like, this is what you have to have. Like, I promise you, blah, blah, blah. And so I was so, that was like one of my scared, like most nervous moments when we first, when we started selling, um, I was like, oh, okay, okay, I'm ready like, to like, tell them that they have to do this. And I had one place tell me they weren't interested in um, selling cider, our cider. And everyone else was like, oh, oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. Like, we're so excited. I can't believe that there's like gonna be a local cider that we can put on tap. Like, we've been waiting for this. Like, absolutely, like send over a keg tomorrow. And so it was just, I mean, the support and love that Boise gives people is just ridiculous. <laughs> it's just fantastic. So that's definitely like exceeded our expectations. So the stars all aligned, really. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, and it's just, I mean, having this place is, especially within the first three years of business, um, being able to open up a place downtown. I mean, I, can, I can't even, I can't, I still can't really believe that it, it happened. <laughs> well, let's talk, let's talk about the cider. How, how many in, in production at any one time do you, flavors do you guys normally do? Um, so we have five flagship ciders that we make year-round. So we have our Foothill Semi-Dry, our Strong Arm Semi-Sweet, our Ginger Root, our Blackberry Boom, and our Hop Shot. Um, so we make those year-round. And then from there, every month and a half or so, we'll release a seasonal cider um, that's a big, a, big, a bigger release. So it goes to all of our wholesale accounts. So as I was saying before, two weeks ago, we just released our Pineapple Habanero. Um, the beginning, late October, beginning of no, or yeah, beginning of November, we'll re- be releasing our cranberry crosscut, which will be for Thanksgiving. It's just one of my favorite seasonals. So I'm very excited. Um, and then besides those, we'll always do like special, like small releases just for our tap room and for the cider house. Um, so we're getting ready to um, release a couple little fun ciders. Any any flavors that we're um really pleasant surprises in, in terms of how well they took off or uh... um we i still want to do this program actually it's just it's <laughs> it's been on a hiatus since we've been really busy and um, we had what we called the chef series ciders um so that was where we would collaborate with a local chef and they would tell us the ciders that they the flavors they would like to see come into like in that cider and we'd make it and put different varying levels of each ingredient and bring it to them and they taste it and be like, okay, I like number two, but add more of this. And then we'd make it until it was like what they liked. And then we would sell it at our tap room and they would sell it at their restaurant. Um, and one of the most popular ones that people still talk about um, was with um, Chef Aaron from Juniper. And, and it was a, oh gosh, now <laughs> I've told this whole story and now I can't remember. It was a coriander and ginger ginger coriander and um quince cider um which is just wild like there's nothing we would have ever come up with but because he's like he's a professional chef and he's got all these really fantastic combinations in his head of like what works together um that one just turned out phenomenal Uh, super fun and I assume that those went into the flavor Bible that I read that you guys keep. Uh. Yeah. Well, no, we have the flavor Bible. So if we think of a flavor, it's it's a, I, I don't know who wrote it, but it's a, it's a book. And um, every time we'll think of a flavor, we'll be like, you know what we should do? We should do a, 
a cider with grapefruit. So we'll go in and look up grapefruit and be like, okay, grapefruit goes with this and this and this and this. And so then we'll we'll experiment with all those, which is how we came up with our uh, grapefruit rosemary, which is another one of our um, spring seasonals. Now, now recently you also got uh, permission to be able to, to ship and sell out of state. Yes. Uh, what was what was the process? I imagine that was sort of a, a lengthy process to get there, but how, how's the reaction? Um, so far, so good. I don't I don't know if we've actually shipped anything yet, <laughs> but people seem very excited. It's a really nice thing to be able to uh, tell people that we do because we do get a lot of um, out of town guests that come in and are really bummed that this is their their last chance to get cider. Um, so it, it was. It's really nice. We we ship it through like an outside um, an outside shipper um, called Vino Shipper, and so they're the ones that hold all of the licenses in all of the states. We we ship to thirty eight states right now, um, and so we ship it through them so that their license so it's all legit. So their licensing covers all of the states that we ship to, which is pretty um, a pretty neat concept. Um, so yeah, we're really we're really stoked to be able to sell. And then we also just announced our um, our cider cruise. Um, so that's that's a new that's a new program that we're starting. Um, it's excuse me. Um, it's similar to a wine club. So it's a bottle program. So you commit to buying a certain amount of bottles depending on what the crew you're in. Every six months, we do a release party for those bottles. People come and drink and eat and um, pick up their bottles, and um, you get discounts and you get to just be part of the family. You get some um, some flights and. It's um, it's going to be a really fun program. We're really stoked about it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, now we were talking about out of state, and you, you re- recently, uh, Meriwether picked up some recognition, I believe, at a competition in Michigan. Yeah, it's great. Um, what was what was I want to see if you can remember back to the first time that that Mer- a Meriwether cider picked up an, a, a, an honor like that. What was what was the feeling like when when you guys realized, hey? The industry, yeah, yeah we, we like this, but other people like it too. <laughs> well, you know, people who are in the business, yeah. um, it's crazy. It's it's incredible, um, and it's really all due to my dad. He's our head cider maker, um, and he he's a scientist. He's so he's so specific about everything he does. You know, he doesn't add a drop of anything that isn't recorded and like documented it you know I mean it's just he doesn't he's not like ah just throw that in oh well it's fine you don't need to like wash that you know like it's all very and he's just making some really amazing ciders and that's what we felt (laughs) we always felt like that we were like he's making such good stuff and everybody was saying like oh my gosh he's making such good stuff but there is because cider is so fast growing um and it's such a it's such an opportunity for people to jump into this industry because there's not a lot of cider knowledge, and so people are so desperate for it. They will drink, in my opinion, some mediocre products, and it, they'll still do really well because it's like, oh, whatever you have, yeah, like give it to me. I don't, I don't care if it's got like you know these off flavors or whatever. Like I don't even notice. Um, and we were always like, ours don't have that. Like we're doing this really good product, and so to be able to enter competitions and have and do well at them. Um, was really validating and like we are we are doing this right we're doing it right we're not just like cutting corners just to like because of the the need for cider in this community um we aren't just saying like oh it'll be fine they won't even notice if we just add like sugar to it or whatever you know like we're, we're doing it right and we're getting recognition for that on a national scale which is pretty cool there's a couple of 
directions I could go with the next question because I, I, I've got them both. But <laughs> you were talking about uh, cider and the exponential growth of Boise and cider in, in general. Mm-hmm. Now, here in Idaho, a decade ago or so, the wine industry really began to take off. Yeah. In the last five years, the craft beer industry has just exploded. What is the potential for cider in Idaho? Huge, huge. I, I think it's going to be, um, it's not going away. It's not a fad. It's not, you know, there's always those those fads that come along, like the, the hard sodas and that sort of thing. And I think that those really are just these like flash in a pan and everyone gets excited and then they kind of just forget about it and stop drinking it. Um, and I don't think cider is that. Cider is, is definitely a valid category. And um, the more cider that is available to people and the more they, they learn about it, the more fans we're going to get and the more desire for ciders there's going to be. And I guarantee in five years there will be at least another four cider companies here, I would guess. I think that it's Boise can with hand, um, handle a lot more local cider for sure. And there are how many roughly now? Um, so Two there or is three? Um, Long Drop, Stack Rock, um, Cider Sisters, and us. So okay. Um, uh, Stack Rock is um, out of Peaceful Valley Farms, and they just moved out to Sunny Slope. They're going to be opening their um, their tasting room, which is really exciting. Um, and they do very artisanal, very beautiful ciders. They they grow their own apples, and they crush them and press them and age the, age the cider, and it's just this really beautiful bottle. Um, the Cider Sisters, they make... Um, very little a year. They make it once a year in the fall, and then they sell it for the rest of the year, and that's that's it. Like once they're out, they're out for until the next fall. Um, we've got one downstairs actually, <laughs> um, and and then Long Drop, they're actually um, older than us, so they they've been around a little longer. Um, they've been doing some pretty cool stuff. They just um, sold their company um, to a um, in Washington, a company in Washington, and so they've they've maintained their um, their tap room here and they're doing like little micro micro batches just for the tap room which is pretty fun so they can get really innovative so it sounds from here from the way you talk about them that there is much like there is to some extent with the various idaho wineries and the various idaho breweries there's a sort of camaraderie uh now idaho wine has this the state commission Mm -hmm. idaho breweries have idaho brewers united at some point do you see benefit in Idaho cideries having their own kind of organization to help? Um, right now, we're actually with the Idaho Wine Commission. Oh, okay. Um, because we are we are technically that's what I was saying we are right. technically wine, um, and they take such good care of us. They're just okay. I can't tell you how much we love the Idaho Wine Commission. They they work so hard. There's like four of them, and it just blows me away the the amount of work they do for this industry and. The, the great work that they do and we are really um, we are very blessed to be able to be part of that um, even if it's kind of not we're not wine but most of the time I'm like annoyed when people are like oh it's just wine right and I'm like no it's not wine but like that's the one time this is like one of the one times that I'm like yes yeah yeah totally we're wine like yeah as long as we can like hang out with the Idaho Wine Commission ladies I'm totally down with uh, being wine <laughs> now I was in one of the local breweries mm-hmm. a while back and saw a sign up on the wall, if I'm not mistaken, where 
it said that people could bring their apples to you? Yes. How does that work? Um, so once a year, we do our community crush. Um, and we have everybody bring their backyard apples um, or just the abandoned apple trees. They'll, they'll collect the apples and we'll, they'll bring them and we collect them for about a month. And after that month, we'll have a crushing party. And a lot of people will bring like their kids and um, we'll get our, our press out and we'll crush them and press the a- apple juice. And the kids will be drinking the apple juice and it's a really fun community day. Um, and then we'll take that juice and we'll ferment it and we will create a cider and then we'll sell the Community Crush Cider and all of the proceeds go to the Treasure Valley Food Coalition. Oh, um, so that's a, that's a once a year like celebration of the harvest season and being able to use our local, our local apples and have everybody be involved with it, bring us apples and crush them. And um, it's a really fun event. The, is it important for Meriwether Cider and, and maybe for other local entities to, to be involved like that with the community, do you think? What is that? What is, um, um, for us, it is like, it's absolutely essential. <laughs> that is what we want. Like, we have um, these sets of values for our company and our culture, and one of them is community and being part of the community. We picked Boise for a reason. We didn't pick it just because, like, at drawing out of a hat. It's because we love this community and we want to be a positive influence in this community. We want to be connected to this community. Um, we have worked with so many places collaborating. I think collaborations are the like lifeblood of this <laughs> of this community. Um, we just love it, um, and I think that that is a real a real thread throughout Boise. I've, I've, I've never owned a company in a different city, so I can't speak to other places. Um, but the amount of collaboration and community involvement that the whole, at least the whole community is just incredible. I mean, we've, when we were opening this place, all of our neighbors were like posting about it and like would come in and like poke their heads in and be like, oh my gosh, we're so excited. And we know everybody on this block um, and the brewing industry. So the wineries and the breweries and us um, have a very close relationship. Everyone is just fantastic and everyone helps each other out and gives advice and yeah, it's just this really beautiful community that everyone uplifts each other. I haven't seen any sort of um, something that would be yeah, any any negative like feelings towards anyone, which is really cool. I just have, I just have a couple more questions. Yeah. Um, now, you have your ciders available in a number of local restaurants and and and, and uh, drinking establishments. Yes. Uh, and you're also in a few grocery stores, Albertsons, Winco, I think maybe Whole Foods as well. Whole Foods, the co-op. What, what frontiers are there for you uh, still in terms of distribution? We have been pretty... Um, we haven't been pushing distribution a ton recently um, when we first opened that was that was definitely one of our major pushes was to get in a lot of places and get our name out there um, but now we have two retail spots where we're making a ton of cider just just to support the cider house and the tap room um, and so wholesale the um, has been a little bit set back from that. Um, we still we still love being in places, and there's a lot of places that it's it's just been incredible. Um, but that has definitely not been one of our main uh, our main focuses right now, especially with the cider house opening. It was it, that's been pushed back a little bit. Um, people ask us all the time if we're going to be um, distributing an out of state, um, and 
the answer is always maybe someday, but again, we picked we picked Boise for a reason. We picked Idaho for a reason, and it's because this is where we love, and we can I can see and meet like so many people that have drink, are drinking my product, and we have we have our roots here, and we have people know us and have met us and we're the local cider and that's that really like means something to people when you're out of state our cider is just sitting on a shelf and like there's no there's no reason to buy it um and so I like it's it's such a our ciders are such a close close to our heart that I just like it it feels like just like throwing like your kids out in the world and be like oh yeah you'll be fine like it's fine and so I don't know I I like the thought of just staying like hyper local so so in a sense you're you're as, as successful as you want to be. Yeah, really. I, mean, I mean, I think that there's always gonna there's always room for doing new things and um, experimenting with stuff, and you know. But I, I never, I never definitely, we don't have plans to uh, try to like take over the the world. You know, <laughs> the cider to be the the top of the cider scene is not at all what we what we intend. Well, that actually that actually kind of brings me to the last question I have. Um, now that you have the cider house up and running and the Garden City operation is, is established, anything else on the horizon in terms of the either the operation or in terms of new flavors that we can be looking for? I know you mentioned the, the pineapple habanero and then... Uh, and the cranberry crosscut's coming out next. Um, let's see. It's so, it's so overwhelming, just the cider house. I'm like, no, we're never doing anything ever again. <laughs> um, but that's absolutely not true. We're going to do just ridiculous things, I'm sure. We're gonna be having a grand opening soon <laughs> for the cider house. We haven't quite, we haven't got quite got the details laid out, but that's gonna be really fun. Which actually made me think of a, of another question as you were talking about that. And I, I talked earlier. You've got your third anniversary coming up. I assume, maybe perhaps wrongly, but I assume that there may be something will be planned for that as well. Yes. Yeah. We'll definitely do something really fun at the tap room for our third anniversary. Um, last year we did a, every day of that week we had a different um, a different event. So we did tappings of our barrel aged ciders, and we did tastings of all of our really really weird um, <laughs> experimental batches, and um, we did like a town hall that talked about the cider house because we had just announced it, um, and then we had like a big party. So. We did a lot of fun, like a whole week lead up to our second anniversary, um, and so we'll we'll figure something fun out for sure. <laughs> well, I tried to be thorough, but not sure it's possible to know everything. So, is there yeah. is there anything about Meriwether cider that we haven't talked about that you think people ought to know? I mean, probably the number one of the number one questions I get, honestly, and like um, is what is cider. <laughs> And maybe that sounds really, and um, which is really fun. It's a, it's a great, it's great to be on the ground floor of people exploring cider. I think that wine kind of has this. Um, it's been around for so long. There's almost this embarrassment that people are like, oh, I can't ask them like what that means, or I can't, I can't say, you know, I'm gonna embarrass myself if I don't know what like a Chablis is, you know, like mm-hmm. and um, cider is not like that. Cider people are like, I have no idea what this is. What is this? Like, <laughs> is it what? And um, so that's really fun. I actually really love when that comes up because it's like we can be the first, their first introduction. Um, so that that's one of the questions if you want me to answer that. You certainly can. All right. Um, so cider is, um, by its, if it's called cider, it has to be a fermented apple base. So we buy our juice 
and put it in these tanks. You buy it at 5,500 gallons at a time. Um, put it in three giant fermentation tanks. You put yeast in there and the yeast eats all of the sugars and that, that um, creates the alcohol. So the yeast turns the sugars into alcohol. And then from there, we get our cider base. And that is what all of our ciders are um, made out of. So we'll have 5,500 gallons of this fermented cider. And from there, we'll, we'll make our flavors. So we'll pull over like 600 gallons from those tanks into one of our bright tanks. And that's where the magic happens. So that's where you blend in whatever cider you're making. So if we're making the semi-dry, we add 2% apple juice back into it just to, to bring up that, um, that is, even out that acidity level a little bit. Um, but that one's just just apple. We never add any um, fake like artificial flavors or coloring or um, sugars. Um, for the semi-sweet, we add 4% apple juice back in just to give it that really nice apple flavor. Uh, the blackberry, just blackberry juice and pineapple habaneros, pineapple juice and habaneros. So it's all very like whole ingredients. It's nothing that you're like, I don't know what that word is. Is, is there is um, there a set uh, period of time that a cider takes or does it vary with flavors? Um, so with the cider apples that, or the, sorry, um, with the apples that we use, we use culinary apples, um, which are like the apples you buy in the store. So your Fuji's and Granny Smith's and, um, Golden Delicious. Um, so those are, that's the juice that we are able to get because cider apples, which are actually, um, traditionally made, are, are what cider was made out of, are much more tannic. They're not really, they're not good for eating. They've got a lot of tannins. They got a lot of, um, they have less acidity, but a lot more, um, of that astringency, mm-hmm. um, which are very hard to get in the U.S. because they cut all the trees down during prohibition. <laughs> um, so with our culinary apple juice, um, the fresher the better. So we don't age any of our, um, we, we barrel age. So we have a barrel age program. Besides the barrel aging program, all of the other ciders just get bottled and kegged and sold right away because that's when it's the best. It's really fresh. It's It's got all of the the complexities it's going to have and if you age it really all you're doing is like losing those complexities and, and how long does the fermentation process usually um, take? so when we get the juice to having a um a clarified cider base is um anywhere from 21 to like 25 days um and then once we get that making different flavors is only like three or four days because we have to bring it over we have to mix it and then you have to carbonate it and then bottle and keg it. And typically with one of the barrel-aged folks? Um, we've had a lot of variations. So we did a barrel-aged, um, a bourbon barrel that was, I believe, in the barrel for six months. We have a port barrel and a Syrah barrel right now that have been sitting for a year. Um, so it really, it's, it's the cider maker's choice. So you just, it, it, like any any wines or anything, you go in, you pull out a taste of it, and you taste it and, and decide, oh, that that's perfect, that's exactly what I want it to taste like, or, oh yeah, no, leave it, leave it another two months. Well, we got in a little education there. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's all I have. Awesome. Uh, so I appreciate it. Thank yeah, you very much. Yeah, of course. Thanks to Molly Ledbetter of Merryweather Cider. You'll find links to the Merryweather website as well as social media links in the show notes at aglassofthis.blogspot.com. Look for a new episode in two weeks, and thanks for listening. Cheers. <laughs>